Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In John chapter 5, we have the description of the healing of the man that Jesus found at the pool of Bethesda. Now, this healing, of course, was significant. But chapter 5 was not just about the healing of the man. It was also about what happened afterwards and the kinds of things that Jesus was able to speak about and reveal to the people because of the healing that he did. And that really is the main reason why Jesus performed healings. When he healed people, he healed people who were eventually going to die. He was addressing an issue of the flesh, and the flesh would eventually pass away. The healing, of course, was very important, and it was certainly appreciated. But the greater value of the miracles that Jesus did had to do with the fact that he would be able to reveal the truth. He would be able to reveal the truth of our God, and he would be able to express to us important truths that we need to know, that we need to understand, so that we can grow in our relationship with our God. So the healings themselves were not the objective. The objective was so that we may know the truth, we may believe our God who expresses the truth to us. We may believe in him as a person. And through this, we can have the foundation of experiencing a personal interactive relationship with our God as a person. So these healings were definitely important and they were very much appreciated, but there were other objectives besides just helping someone with a personal need. Now, our God is certainly compassionate, and he does reach out to people and help them with their personal needs. But in the testimony that we have in the Gospels, what we have here are things that have been recorded so that we may know our God more, and so that we can also have an appreciation for what he went through in order to provide us with the salvation that we have. Now, beginning in John chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and the Jews went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well of whatever disease he had. And then in verse 5, now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. So there were a lot of people here, a great multitude of people, who were here 
who had the hope, who had the expectation that there would be a stirring of the water and they had hope that they would be the first one in so that they could be healed of whatever they were struggling with. Now, Jesus goes to this pool in Jerusalem and when he goes there, he finds a man who had an infirmity 38 years. This is in verse 5. The first question that I would like to address is, why was he there? What was the infirmity that he had? What was the reason why he was there? And to mention that this was 38 years was definitely important. Now, as we continue to read after Jesus performed the healing for this man, when we continue to read, we get to verse 14, where it says, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. It's probable, because of what we have in verse 14, it's highly probable that the reason why this man had an infirmity of 38 years, as was described in verse 5, was because of his sin. It's reasonable to make this assumption because of what Jesus said in verse 14. Now, this does not automatically mean that it was a divine judgment of God. It could very well have been a natural consequence of something that the man did. He may have committed a sin and then as a consequence, a natural consequence of the sin that he committed because of a series of events that took place afterwards, he could have found himself injured, as an example. He could have found himself paralyzed and not able to walk. There could be a number of reasons why he was in this condition of having an infirmity for 38 years that would put him in a situation where he would be at the Pool of Bethesda. We don't know the exact circumstances concerning the sin that he engaged in and even whether or not it really was directly connected to the infirmity that he had. But because of what Jesus said in verse 14, it's reasonable to assume that the infirmity is connected, it is correlated to the sin that the man committed at some point in his life, certainly many years prior. But it may not have been a natural consequence. It could have also been because of a divine judgment of God. God is free to execute a divine judgment such as that in response to a person's sin. If he wants to do that, he can do that. And it could be that this man had experienced a divine judgment of God. If it was a divine judgment of God, then the people would have believed at this time that for the person to be healed of this infirmity, it would require divine intervention. It would be necessary for the living God to divinely intervene in this person's life again, the first time to cause the infirmity and the second time to relieve the person of the infirmity, that it would have to be a divine experience because it was God himself who decided that this person should have the infirmity. If somebody else tried to heal this person, then it would be unlikely that they would succeed in helping this person because this individual trying to help the person with the infirmity is not the divine person. On the other hand, what we have here in this situation is we have the Lord Jesus 
performing this miracle. And if this was a divine judgment, then it would have been recognized by the people that Jesus is the divine presence of God, that he is God manifested in the flesh because he's the one who set this person free of the divine judgment. And so this is a way that Jesus could express to the people that in fact he really is God manifested in the flesh. So we have this man at the pool of Bethesda, and we could assume that he recognizes that the reason why he has this infirmity is because of his sin, as Jesus mentioned in verse 14, and that there would be the question as to whether or not this was a divine judgment. If it was just a natural consequence of a sin that he committed, then he could have also assumed that this was partially a divine judgment. There are many ways that this could have been viewed. But what's important to understand is that regardless of what really happened, the way that the society was at this time, people would generally have the bias. They would make the assumption that it was a divine judgment. And so when Jesus went to this pool, he went to the pool of Bethesda that was filled with a multitude of people, as it says in verse 3, in these days a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. This was a large population of people who others would look at as being people who were under the divine judgment of God. That's how these people would have been viewed by the majority of the population there in Jerusalem. The religious people, even the non-religious people, would have this kind of a bias towards them, that these are the people who are under the divine judgment of God. They are not like those who don't have problems. Those who don't have problems may perhaps be looked at by God as being a holy or righteous person or definitely more holy and more righteous than these other people. But Jesus goes into this area, and when he goes into this area, it's sort of like going into a major hospital. you know. And if somebody has the power to heal other people, you could think about it today. If a person had the gift of healing, for example, that they could heal others as a representative of the living God, Where do you think they should go? They should probably go to a hospital, which is filled with all kinds of people who definitely need to be healed. Sometimes people will use this as an argument against those who claim that they have the gift of healing, where they will tell them, well, you know, listen, if you really do have the gift of healing, then why are you here? There is a hospital over there. Go over there and heal all of those people. You should be able to go in there and empty that hospital. And people might say things like, well, well, those people need to have faith or they need to believe in me. Or, you know, there is a list of criteria that these people have to fulfill in order for this to happen. Well, here in John chapter 5, we have a very good example of how this is not necessarily going to have to be the case. Jesus goes to this man. And he heals this man without any criteria required at all. And so if you have the gift of healing, it could be argued that you should go and heal these people also. 
Heal those people in your local area who you have access to. Empty that hospital. That could be a problem for the hospital because that's how they make money. And so they may not be very excited about you going in there and and taking all their patients away from them. But, you know, I'm sure you can find a way to navigate this. But this is what's going on. Jesus goes into this area with all these people. He definitely has the ability and the power to be able to heal everyone who is there. But that's not what he does. He doesn't do that. He goes and he finds a specific person. And when he finds this person, this person is the only one in the whole multitude of all the people. This man is the only one who Jesus heals And then Jesus leaves. That's what happens. Now, before I get to that, let's go back to verse 4. In verse 4, it says, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, if you were to go to this pool today, if you were to go and find this pool and, and and to see that it was filled with water, and you were to go there, it is unlikely that there will be a stirring in this pool so that you can jump in the pool and be healed of whatever problems you have. It's unlikely that that is going to happen. This was something that took place only at a specific time in history. At this time, and I don't think that that was a mistake, I genuinely believe that God did this intentionally, that at this time in history, this was something that God did. He sent an angel to the pool and gave the angel the responsibility to stir up the water, and he probably gave the angel the power in his name and on his behalf to heal whoever jumped in, or God was a participant and God did the healing, The angel moved the water, God did the healing, and together, they did something together to participate in the work of God. It could very well have been like that. But what I would like you to see is that this was a specific time, and it was intentional. God made an intentional decision that at this time in history, this is what would be going on. And it's not going on now. It didn't continue shortly after this healing took place. It didn't just continue like this. Eventually, the angel was given instructions by God to stop this. The angel departed, and this no longer happened at the pool of Bethesda. So this was intentional by God. He intentionally sent the angel and gave the angel instructions to stir up the water at specific times so that people would assemble there, so that eventually there would be this multitude of people, this huge population of people, an entire community of people would be there so that when Jesus arrived in Jerusalem at this time, he could go there in the presence of all of these people and find this one specific person, and heal him. And it could very well be suggested that God divinely intervened in this man's life because of his sin, and caused this person to have an infirmity 
for 38 years in preparation for this one moment. Just for this one moment. 38 years in the planning, probably before Jesus was born. And God sent the angel so that all of this would be organized. All of this would be in place. So that at this appointed time, at this festival, all of the people of Israel would either be in Jerusalem or there would be representatives of the family there in Jerusalem at this time. There were three festivals when everyone was required to be in Jerusalem. And this would make the healing a public event, a very public event for the entire nation of Israel. So we have the sending of the angel. We have the 38 years prior where God may have provided the divine judgment. We have the festival that was established by the law so that everyone is going to be present. And this is the time during the ministry of the Lord Jesus where he goes and this is what he does. He heals this man. Now, there were many things that Jesus did during these festivals, and I do believe that the main reason why God established these festivals was for this time in history, was for this eventual time in history when Jesus would conduct his ministry and it would all be done in a public way because the public would be present as was required by the law of God. They would be present here to be a witness of what God did when he arrived as Jesus manifested in the flesh. Now again, when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda, there was an entire community of people who were there. And they all had issues. They all had problems. They all had sicknesses of some kind, blind, lame, paralyzed, all waiting for the moving of the water. Now, there would be a division in the whole society between those who had these issues and those who did not. Those who did not have these issues, probably the overwhelming majority of the people there in Jerusalem, they would look at these other people as being people who were under the divine judgment of God. Even if they were not, they would still look at them in this way just to be safe. And there would be a sense of pride that these other people would have who did not have these issues. They would have a sense of pride that they could compare themselves with these others who did have issues. And they could say that, that they were right with God when these other people clearly are not. And that would be the climate, that would be the culture overall of the people there in Jerusalem, a division between the people, a division between those who were more right with God and those who were less right with God or perhaps not right with God at all, as was testified of because they were blind, lame, paralyzed and had other issues. And so when Jesus entered in to this area, he entered into where the pool of Bethesda was at, he entered in to an entire community of people who would have found some sense of acceptance among themselves, among each other. They would feel a sense of community and a sense of acceptance that they would not be able to enjoy outside 
of the pool of Bethesda. When they would go outside, then the people who did not have issues would look down on them. They would compare themselves with these people to elevate themselves and assert some sense of religious pride. But at the Pool of Bethesda, everybody would be on common ground. They would have common issues, and they could look at each other, and they could say, hey, you know, we can be okay with each other because we know that we've all got issues, and we're not going to be able to compare one another with each other. We're not going to be able to compare ourselves with each other in order to say that we are better or that we are greater, not like those other religious people. We're not going to be able to do that because we all know that we have our own personal issues, our own personal problems. They are in the open. There's no secrecy going on concerning these things. That's the kind of community that you have. And it's helpful to understand this also in the world that you are a part of right now because there are a lot of people who do have issues with regards to sins that they like to commit, with regards to beliefs that they have, and they have a preference for being around other people like them, and they don't want to be around you. They don't want to be around a religious person who has convictions, who has beliefs, who has the Bible that speaks against them. They're just simply not going to want you to be around. So at the Pool of Bethesda, this is where the sinners could assemble together and be okay with each other and not feel rejected, not like they will feel when they leave the pool and go out amongst the other people who don't have these same issues. But this could be a problem for the person who gets healed. If a person gets healed, if they are that one person who is fortunate enough to get into that water, If they're that one person who gets in that water and they are healed by the angel because, or they are healed by God, because of the stirring of the water by the angel, and they are that one person who gets in first and they are healed, they are no longer going to be a part of the community. They're not going to be a part of the community anymore. They're not going to feel a sense of welcome anymore. They're going to have to leave, first of all, They no longer have an issue. They no longer have something that they need to be healed from. And so there's no reason for them to be waiting around there anymore. But also, now they have experienced the divine intervention of God, such that God has declared that this person is now okay with him. And now this person is going to be among all these other people who God is not okay with. All these other people are going to want this person to leave, to leave the community. They don't belong there anymore. This person is now going to have to enter the other community, the community of people who don't have these issues. They're going to have to enter in there, and they're going to have to find a place among the regular people. They're going to have to become a participant in the lives of other people. They're going to have to find a place in the society where they can contribute to other people's lives so that they can engage in work and in trade and commerce. They can be a productive member of society and they can build a new life there. Now, there could very well be some resistance from a number of people from allowing this person to enter in 
to their world, enter into their community, because this person has not been a part of the community for a while, they were a part of the other community. They were a part of the community of sinners. Now they have been healed by God. And the people might assume that, sure, they were healed by God, but they might be a little risky. They, they might sin again soon. So people might hesitate to allow them to be a part of what they're doing. If a person is healed, they are going to have a struggle with entering into the community of Israel. And because of this struggle, it can be appealing to a person to avoid the struggle, to avoid the discomfort. And for this reason, a person may not necessarily want to be healed especially a man such as this who has had an infirmity for 38 years. That's a long time to be in this condition. The man will have built a life for himself. Obviously, he has lived this long with his condition. So to experience the change of healing may be uncomfortable for this man. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This program is the 18th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I began John chapter 5 with regards to the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And in this program, I introduced the subject and spoke about a lot of the cultural issues that were taking place between the people at that time in history. I spoke a little bit about why Jesus was healing people And that mainly had to do with giving Jesus credibility with the people so they would listen to what he had to say with the intent that he would be able to convey to them the truth of God and that they would believe their God and believe in their God. In the next program, I'm going to speak more about the struggle that the man would have concerning getting healed, why it would be unappealing for him to be healed, and the kinds of difficulties that he would have to face as he learned to integrate within the society in a different way. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.